Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fort's Comic News, episode 345. I'm one of your hosts, Chris. Along to the coast, your Mike. What's going on, Mike? Hey, nothing much. Just an, enjoyed Turkey Day and all those lovely savings. Bought a bunch of shit that I didn't need. Actually, I didn't really buy anything this year, so that was good. I only bought one thing. That's good. And it was uh, because it was something really expensive that I needed, and it was half off. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's that's a good excuse. Yeah. So, if it's something you need, that's fine. If it's you're just buying a bunch of shit because it's on sale that you never needed in the first place, then it it's really not a good idea. Yeah, it was some. It was clothes for workout stuff. I'm nice. like, I'm constantly doing laundry. Yeah, because I'm going to the gym so much, and uh, yep. I was like, well, get a little extra. They're half off. Fuck it. So it'll be here go. today, probably while we're recording. Hell yeah. Treat yourself. <laughs> Did I buy anything exciting? Mm. I know. Uh, well, I don't want to give away Christmas presents just in case some people listen to the podcast that I know. But um, maybe after Christmas, I'll talk about them. But we have an interview today, everybody. We got some people stopping by from Invader Comics. Going to talk about what's going on over there. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Got some got some interesting we, books. We haven't recorded it yet, so I'm not entirely sure who's going to be here. But I was told that Mike Perkins is stopping by, and I haven't talked to Mike in close to eight years. So I'm really excited. Wow. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, some stuff has been coming out. We had a new Invincible episode. Um, this is the episode I've been waiting for. It's punchy, punchy. So, <laughs> hell yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... I guess we'll just start right off. I mean, we, we, the third episode, like you said, left off with Mark, uh, being reunited with his dad after the whole leaving earth situation. Um, and then, you know, we get the whole reveal that he has a stepbrother now, uh, the, that he's on this planet where everybody ages more quickly. Um, but then, we have three Vulturemites show up and they have to fight them. And he basically tells Mark, like, you can't hold back or you're going to die. And so they beat the shit out of like three of them. And that's when you realize, like, you can impale a, a Vulturemite with a spike and like disembowel him and he'll still be alive. <laughs> Not to um, mention, you can apparently karate chop their stomach open, which was pretty fucking sick. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a lot of like crazy like Mortal Kombat shit going on. Uh, the fight with like the girl with the the knife in her ponytail was insane. Um, yeah, she was she was fucking badass, man. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, I can't remember that if that's cool. from the comic or not. I, I don't know. I don't remember the knife thing, but it's been so long. I have to go back and look. Yeah, I'm, this is gonna be really excited to do a reread now that I have all the yeah. compendiums. I'm gonna be doing that soon, but mm-hmm. that was such a cool use of like, I don't know. I'm sure it's been done before. Like, I don't watch a lot of kung fu stuff. I know you're yeah. more into that than I am. Yeah, yeah. But that's something that I, I can't think of seeing before, mm-hmm. and it was just so well done. Yeah, it was really good. And it reminded me of why I'm so glad this is an animated series, not live action, because it was yeah. so over the top. Yeah, it was great. Um, the fight scene was the the long fight scene between everybody was great, and then we get a glimpse of the general. Who they they beat they beat Mark's dad. They take him back to um their planet, and 
the general's he, like, okay, he'd definitely be executed. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent, he's being executed. He's everybody. definitely gonna die, everybody. Um, and the general's like, okay, you know, you proved yourself worthy. You go back to Earth, and you just, you know, take over Earth when we want you to, because Mark's totally gonna do that. Yep. Um, and then we, I like the side story of the the clone guys because that's how it is in the books too. They always make a reappearance. So that's always fun to see them. And they're always like betraying each other. <laughs> they're always killing each other off. So um, it was, it was yeah. a fun moment from the book too, where he's all disfigured and he's like, now for the first time we know exactly who the real one is. Yeah. He's like, he knows <laughs> that he's not the clone. He's like half of his, he looks like two face. Um, yeah. It's really enjoyable. It was a great episode. And now again, Mark's left in shambles. The ship beat out of him. And, uh, yeah, he's got to figure his life out. Yeah. I've been loving this season. I mean, this episode's another one. It does yep. do more of the fight stuff and, uh, yeah. like, over-the-top gore. Mm-hmm. But it's got these great moments throughout it, too, with Mike's mom. Or Mark's mom. Mark's mom, and, yeah. uh Not Ricker's mom. Uh, yeah, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, her coming to terms with, you know, Nolan what he did and their life together and everything mm-hmm. and trying to figure out the path forward. Like that was a great emotional moment. And then I can't remember the dude's name, but the agent who died in the first. Yeah. Season. And he finds out he's a cyborg. <laughs> yeah. And he finds yeah. out that he's like, he's either a clone or a cyborg and he ends up cutting himself to see if he's like what he is. Yeah. And everything. And that was a great moment. Cause not a lot said, mm-hmm. but it's directed so well that it, it, hits in the right way i this episode is great it had everything yeah. in it yeah yep yeah they're doing a great job yeah i I, I can't recommend the series enough i mean yep. it's been so good um another another show i've been watching that came out on apple tv uh three episodes so far is uh monarch legacy of monsters gotta get on this i'm excited uh, to hear what you guys say yeah so if you're a godzilla fan you'll really like it um i will say the first couple episodes, they got to like lay a foundation for stuff. You do get to see some monsters. I mean, it is called Legacy of Monsters, so hopefully they show monsters. Uh, by and so they do show a lot of clips from like the 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 um, legendary universe. So like the Kong movies, the I think it was the 2014 Godzilla movie. Um, basically, the we jump between the 1950s. That's Wyatt Russell's playing. Kurt Russell as a young guy in the fifties. And then we have Kurt Russell and like the present day for them, which is like 20, I don't know, 16 or something. But the age thing is weird because like Kurt Russell is not 90 years old, but that's, you'll see how it like lines up, but they never really talk about it that much. <laughs> um, basically like we follow this, the three main characters in 1950s started Monarch. One was a army, an army guy who was like a shitty uh sergeant or army dude that gets sent off on this like you know nobody wanted to do this mission he's protecting these researchers it sounds like a boring mission these researchers start monarch um when they find godzilla they're like hey we need we need the army like the pentagon's involvement to help us so by like the third episode they're like yeah we'll help you and then what they do is they set up a nuke to like blow up godzilla when he comes out of the water um, and we all know that that doesn't work folks. Cause we've, we've seen a lot of the guys, but this is their first Great interaction. Plan. Yeah. So I, I just got, I haven't finished the third episode yet, but I got to that moment where like Godzilla emerges from the water, they blow up the nuke and they're like, yeah, we got him. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Um, but along the way, there's a lot of different monsters they encounter. 
Um, and in the present day, you're you're viewing this this woman who started Monarch, her granddaughter, and her son has has disappeared, and the granddaughter is looking for her father, who left everything around, like left all these clues. Monarch is looking for him, is looking for his data. So like they're chasing this child around, so she has to get Kurt Russell's help. And like Kurt Russell is in this like old folks home, but for Monarch individuals are like <laughs> government people. So like they go to this like old folks home in Japan and he's like there like trimming bonsai trees and shit. But then he has like an ankle bracelet on. So he's like, yeah, this isn't like a normal retirement home. Like they're keeping me here. So I don't talk to anybody for the rest of my life. And then when he finds out that this this girl's father's missing who is almost like a son to him he's like all right let's go find him so they like break out and now they're like traveling together to go find the son um or find her father so it's there's a lot of timelines going on but i think it's really enjoyable and you do see some interesting monsters like maybe some early monsters that you would eventually see like the godzilla movies um and like i mean the first episode you, you it's like john goodman writing running through the forest uh, with like a, a videotape that he took off Skull Island. So uh, they got John Goodman to do a quick scene in the beginning. So they're bringing people back. Um, yeah, it's pretty great. That's awesome. I, yeah, yeah, I want to I want to watch it, but I'm I'm waiting until it's like over. Yeah, to, to jump into Apple TV Plus because yeah, so many subscriptions. <laughs> I know. No, for, for real. But it, it is really good. Um, and I, I have to go see Godzilla minus one. That's out in the theaters now. I, I really got to see that. I was going to bring it up. It, I thought, it, I mean, I was told it comes out next Friday, but um, oh, I could be wrong. Enough. Yeah. It's and, out. Uh, I think it has a hundred on Rotten Tomatoes. right now. Yeah. Which is insane. Maybe it's just around me. I mean, cause it's like select theaters. It's not like it's yeah. a, a wide, but uh, a friend of mine found a uh, showing of it. And I think we're still kind of, we were talking about it over Thanksgiving dinner uh-huh. and, um, we haven't confirmed back and forth yet, but I think I'm going to be going to see it next Friday. So yeah, I might try to go Let's next weekend. It. I'll see. Uh, but yeah, I highly recommend Legacy Monsters for, for any Godzilla fans. Um, movie news, Chris. The DC animator released its first trailer for Crisis on Infinite Earths. And uh, here we go. Coming yes. 2024. Yeah, so... I'm watching this, and the first thing I think is, God, I hate this animation. <laughs> yeah, the animation looks awful, for sure. Um, I I don't know what it is. It just looks it looks like a Flash cartoon. Not like Flash, the DC Flash, but like Flash, like yeah. Newgrounds. It, I mean, it's funny. I, I'm, we're having to judge a trailer here, but like, it's similar to... It's a little bit more inky than Invincible, yeah. but like right. it's similar in style. Yeah. So I know I can enjoy it, but I, I, man, I miss like old stylized cartoons. Yeah. It's interesting to me that this is. So this is going to be a three part movie. Yeah. Official trilogy. And I don't, I mean, I'm, I've been off the DC animated bandwagon for a while now. Mm-hmm. And I'm still told they're really good, but. I don't know. I, I I just don't know, man. Three yeah. movies over a year. Yeah. For a story that I like enough, like I respect enough, but it's just been so overdone in my eyes that it's, it's lost kind of its cachet. Um, yeah. 
I think the only way to bring like Cache back to it would be to do it in live action, which I'm just not convinced we're ever going to see. At least uh, for another 30 years. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, if anyone's got a chance, it's gone. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, it looks fine. I I, I I might check it out, but it's it's not something I'm rushing out to see. I'll check it out when it hits HBO. That's what I've been doing with all the animated movies. Yeah, there's a few I still want to go back and watch. It is. I mean, Blue Beetle's still on there, and I still haven't bothered to sit down and watch that. And I'd like, yeah. I legitimately want to. I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. Things rewatching old TV shows is apparently more important to me than. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least you know you're gonna like them. Yeah, it's it's tough, but mm-hmm. I hope everybody likes it. I hope it's uh, really good. And uh, we'll see. We'll see when time comes what my mood is. That That's really what determines whether I watch these things or not anymore. Yeah, like, I have, where am I, have, I at that point? I haven't been excited enough to like go out of my way and pay to watch these uh, animated movies. But in my eyes, I'm paying for Max every month. So that's when it comes out. I'm like, okay, I've already been paying to watch it. So I'll watch it. Yeah. I mean, I haven't even left the house to see Marvels yet. So that should tell oh, yeah. you a lot. I keep forgetting I'm... about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. Um, I think next month does Aquaman still come out next month? Yeah, Christmas. Like I, I believe we're on on Christmas Day, or I think I think it's Christmas Day. Yeah, I'm still throwing that one around whether I'm going to go see that or not. Go with your but, family, everybody. A nice Christmas treat. Yeah, Jason you know, Momoa on the big screen. I want my family to talk to me. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, we'll see with that one too. But I've actually heard stories of people who went with their because I believe the first Aquaman came out around the holidays last yes. time. And I remember some friends telling me, yeah, like their grandmother and mother went because they're all like, Oh, that's the one with Jason Momoa. <laughs> like that literally got the whole family to go. So I'm like, all right, he's bringing grandma to the theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, not to get depressing, but uh no longer have any grandmothers, but if yeah. she was still around, I don't know if I'd want grandma getting all hot and bothered by Jason Momoa next to me. Yeah. That might be. When I when I was a young lad, my grandmother took me to see Passion of the Christ around the holidays. So, not the same vibe, Chris. <laughs> not the same vibe. <laughs> so, did you ever end up seeing Oppenheimer? No, I haven't. That's a movie I just haven't been really too pushed to watch. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I I think it was really good, but yeah, there's a very long like scene in the middle of the movie yeah where it's so it starts off as a sex scene where they uh-huh. you know they keep it kind of subtle but like at the same time like you see thrusting you see legs in the air you like you see yeah. you know what's going on yeah it's and sex. then they're just sitting in a chair and i forget the woman who plays um the love interest in it but she's just sitting there topless yeah the entire time talking uh-huh and i want to see this movie with my mother <laughs> it always happens man they put one in there just when you go into your parents but dude yeah. if it was like a couple minutes or a, um, a quick scene like fine yeah. but they lingered on this shot yeah. for a while yeah. there and i'm just like this is fucking awkward can we get back to the part where we're nuking japanese nolan 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 knew you're going to the fam so he had to throw that in there <laughs> you know God. yeah that's wild um good movie if you haven't seen it, everybody yeah that's what i've heard it's good yeah uh superman legacy has some new casting we got a bunch of news dropping after the the hollywood strikes have ended uh confirmed nicholas holt 
set to play Lex Luthor, uh, which walking between worlds because he was Beast. Yes, X Men. But now I don't know if you've seen anything about Marvels. I don't want to spoil anything for you, so. Uh, he shows up somewhere or something. Yeah. So not so Beast. I I have seen screenshots at the end of Marvel shows up, but it's Kelsey Grammer Beast. Oh no. So, yeah. But he looks <sighs> he looks like '90s X Men, like straight from the comics. So. I, I mean, I liked Kelsey Grammer's, but I don't know what that means for like the future of X-Men at Marvel, like which which casting they're going with for the cinematic universe. I, so I, I'll do my real quick Marvel thing and then we'll, we'll get back to Superman. But yeah, I hope they just recast all the X-Men. Why wouldn't they right? I, just I, I get it. I, and if if these guys show up for like Secret Wars or something or they do some multiverse shit in the X-Men, like that's fine. But like. The main cast, please don't just bring back the old. Like, it's fun, and in some cases, it works out. I think, as much as I'm not a Deadpool fan, I know how the Deadpool fans are, and Ryan Reynolds is one that should stick around. Right. I think outside of that, we got to move forward. We got to move on from these guys. Have them do their cameos and whatnot. But, uh, and and Kelsey Graham. I mean, Kelsey Graham is too old to be an action star at this point. I'm sorry, Kelsey. I yeah. love you. Frazier's a great show. Well, he is in a lab it, coat, so I don't think he's doing much action. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's in the lab most of the time. But. Like, yeah, that'd be rough. But um, but Nicholas Holt as uh, Lex Luthor, um, to jump back to that, yeah. I kind of love this casting. No, I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's got... He may not have quite the look, but I, I do think at this point, I'm fine if we get away from the exact look of the comic character. I mean, look at Jesse Eisenberg with the long yeah. hair, right? Yeah, but, and I mean, there there was he was going to lose it eventually and go bald right. and everything, and he looked fine. And I'm sure this guy would look fine bald too. But even if they keep him like a little bit of a military cut or something, I it's more about his presence as Lex, and I would kind of be okay Lex being some way that's kind of reinvented uh, for yeah. a modern audience would be really good. Um, I mean, that's not Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. I mean, this is no judgment on any real life person, but like we have plenty of characters in our lives right now that you can base Lex on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think of um, uh, of Bezos and Musk and you yeah, know, all these right. billionaires around that. Let me just be clear. Aren't fucking Lex Luthor but like you can base the character on them and like do something different with him as opposed to this old like version of him that I still enjoy in the comics but right um yeah I think I think it's great casting yep personally uh and then we have others that Chris and I weren't too familiar with like Skylar Gisondo playing Jimmy Olsen gotta have Jimmy in a Superman movie Sarah Sampeo playing Eve Tesh Mac Teshmaker, who is Lex Luthor's girlfriend slash secretary in the comics universe. So uh, I guess we're getting more of a glimpse into Lex Luthor's life. Yeah. So when I'm going through, when I was going through Skylar's IMDb, like I know him from an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, he, he's kind of been all over the place. He does, other than. Uh, the fact that he's not a redhead, he's very much a Jimmy Olsen lookalike. Yeah, for sure. 
uh so that's pretty good casting uh sarah i think we were talking about i'm i'm not sure of any of her work um i haven't seen anything she's in she's i mean she's obviously gorgeous <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much all i could say about her you're gonna be dating lex luther come on yeah so i guess that works but i wonder how big of a role that will be yeah i don't know you know they're just name dropping shit now I, yeah i think now yeah. that they're just excited that they can get news out there about it they've been in production for this the strike kind of put a hold on a lot of this mm-hmm. um but it's cool to hear more about it. I'm re- I'm really excited for the start of the new DC yeah. universe. Yeah, so. I'm happy. I'm happy and excited. So let's see. Let's see it happen. I want to see a trailer. Yeah. And I'm, I've said for like years now to go into a lot of these movies with low expectations. But I'm telling you what, I'm going into Superman Legacy with high expectations. Everybody like, is. There's no way you're not. Yeah. You yeah. It's, it's James Gunn, man. It's, yeah. it's the beginning of the new universe. Like he has to know where the expectations are and what he has to hit. Yep, and uh, I have faith that he can do it. So, I think the casting's been really good so far. Yep, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty hyped for it. Uh, this was pretty great news that hit. Um, they uh, Disney's made a big change with Lucasfilm's hierarchy. Dave Filoni is now chief creative officer, and will work directly with Top Brass to craft the future of Star Wars. So, not necessarily he's he's not necessarily doing everything, but he's got his hands involved, like and the structure of things, I think. Right. Yeah. And I, I was listening to him talk about it and it's, he basically said he was coming in a lot of times after things had already been developed. Uh, yeah. The decisions had already been made. Right. Yeah. And then kind of crafting around that. So the mm-hmm. fact that he's done what he's done in that role makes me even more impressed with the work he's done, because I guess yeah. Ahsoka is one of those that like they did Mandalorian. He kind of came in helped at the end right. and then they decided to bring Ahsoka in. he was able to craft that around the Mandalorian stuff and, mm-hmm. and all this. And to do all that in a, in a structure that somebody else built is impressive. Right. And I've said for a while, I think Filoni's the guy like the star Wars guy. So Personally, I mean, I'm, I don't root for people to lose their job, but I think Kathleen Kennedy's proven over and over again that she's not up to the task to run Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And this might be a last ditch effort to save her job. Yep. I think from the very top down, if they're not listening to Filoni and letting Star Wars ride or die by his word, they're fucking up big time because yeah, the dude's he's just earned it. He's earned it for sure. Yeah. And he's he was Lucas's right-hand man for a long time. And his love for star Wars is what's kept him there. The dude could be doing whatever he wants, mm-hmm. but he decides to stay at Lucas and work on star Wars. So that says a lot. I, this got me really excited for some future projects. I hope mm-hmm. that after the whole uh, Mandalorian verse is done, he's more in the trenches on like future movies and, and whatever the, the new direction is going to be after they wrap all this up. So yeah, I this was huge news. I was really excited to read about it. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see that somebody with really good ideas is at the top now. Definitely. Um, all right, everybody, we're gonna jump to this interview with Invader Comics, and uh, we're gonna talk about some of their cool stuff, and we'll see you all on the other side. All right, everybody, we've got some spe- very special guests for y'all. The boys from Invader Comics have joined us, Keith. 
Foster coming back once again to join the show, and uh, Mike Perkins. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, thanks. Good yeah, to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great to be back. Yeah, um, super excited to have you guys back. And, you know, we want to talk about Neurocron today. Um, but I guess as far as, like, just how the, the flow of the show goes, let's let's talk about Invader uh, and what you guys have been doing, just because there's a lot of titles up on the page now. Uh, you've been doing a lot of cool things. So just give us the lowdown. Like, you know, how's that journey been? And what's what do you got coming up? Yeah, I mean, Invader has been... Uh, let's say, let's say a long time coming, you know, previously we were two and five bank and we had been mm-hmm. doing that for about 10 years um, when the original owner had to walk away. And so we were sitting on a company that had a name that really didn't have anything to do with us anymore. Two and five being the Philadelphia area code, you know, um, Keith's down in LA, I'm up in Oakland. Um, and we wanted something that was uh, fresh and that would, um, have a, a, a new start for not just us, but for all of our creators. And we were looking forward to taking the company in, in just a new new direction where we were not only getting some books that, um, you know, our, 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 our goal has always been to find the books that people were missing, you know, because from the very beginning of my comics journey, you know, I started as a creator myself. First time I went to a con, I would walk around and I would see these books and these creators and I would pick them up and look at them and I would be like, Jesus, this is better than anything I'm seeing coming out of Dark Horse or Vertigo or Image and mm-hmm. let alone the big two and not to disparage those companies, but like these were books that I couldn't believe weren't getting attention and creators that I couldn't believe weren't getting attention. And I just said, okay, well, this isn't right. You know, these, these are people out there who are putting in the work, who have the talent, you know, not someone who's putting out a book and not doing anything with it, who are out there going to shows, you know, meeting people, doing everything they can and still not getting the attention. So we found ourselves in a position where we could put a spotlight on these books that just deserved a little bit more. And so we've made it our mission to do everything we can to to do that and, and hopefully elevate these creators. And so far we have a pretty damn good legacy of accuracy of, of picking those. We've got a lot of creators who started out with us and have gone on to these bigger um, publishing houses and, and even bigger successes beyond not to pat my own back, but I'm going to do that very thing. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then I think a couple things about the rebrand as invader too, you know, we brought on um, Kevin uh, and Kevin, Kevin Miller. And so, you know, he's the, the third partner who can't be with us today. But, you know, a couple things uh, that that were sort of part of the switch from 215 to Invader uh, was also like Invader as a name is also it's 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 like a mantra, right? Like for, for us, it is this idea of if we see something that's cool that may not fit the rules or anything, we'll invade that space, right? Invade a new space. And, you know, like, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of pre-established spaces. There's plenty of spaces we all know that are sort of adjacent to comics, but we like it as just a a thing to keep in our head going forward. Like what new things are out there? I I think it, by us naming it that, it it almost is a reminder to us to to continue to innovate, to continue to look for new avenues, new angles, et cetera. Um, So that was, that was kind of like the first part. And then the second part is uh, one of Mike and I's favorite lines for the past, uh, you know, 10 years or ever since I've known Mike um, has been the sub pop of comics, right? Like Mm -hmm. our logic has been, you know, 
finding these 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 talents um, and and then doing the doing you know stuff with them and then having them move on. Well, with Invader, the idea was you can move on, but we want to make it palatable for you to stay here because yeah. we can, you can grow with us. You can you can be with us instead of us being that label that released your first two records or that comic company that released your your intro book or your first book, your second book. We we want to we wanted to build a company with Invader and we think we have that encourages people to stay along. And mm -hmm. so we can we can be sub Papa and Warner Brothers at the same time. Nice. Yeah, and it's yeah. and it's more than that because it goes in both directions. We've had so many people who not only started here and then went on to bigger things, but people who have gone on to bigger things and then come back because they won't get their own stuff published. Even, you know, mm -hmm. like you've got creators who Marvel and DC and Image and Vertigo are trusting to tell their stories, but won't tell the creator's stories. Mm -hmm. So when Steve Orlando came to us and said, hey, I've got this YA book called The Kitchen Witch, and they won't put it out. Like, will you put it? Yeah, absolutely. Adam Cahoon, you know, dude, he's on the master yep. right now. Right. Same thing with Maglev, you know, Sean Aldridge, any of these guys where it's like, so DC and Marvel trust you enough to tell their stories, but not your stories. Well, right. we want to tell your stories. Mm hmm. Yeah, and that's and that's always been you know uh, Mike and I both write comics. Um, Mike Mike writes everything. Um, I, mm -hmm. I stick to comics for now. But uh, but something you know that that we've I think our mantras. You know, we happen to have that another mind. I'm not going to say mantra anymore. I promise. Um, but from a from you're a, at twelve. A sheer, you're at twelve, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. The mantra counter. We're, we're we're cutting the mantra counter off right now. Um, Something that that we keep in mind, at least you know that that we've talked about, is just this idea of I don't I don't want to write something that's been I don't want to write a a in a creative land that has been well traveled. Mm -hmm. um, you know the the odds of finding something wholly original are are low, but you can get yourself to some interesting places in creating if you if you think hard enough about the stories that aren't being told you know all those things right and so i think we both carry that mindset over into invader as well as kevin right like mm -hmm. what what we yeah. what we like to write are stories that that haven't been told as often or you know something new something different and you know we we like having creators out there that are doing the same thing that mm -hmm. are like i have this story it's different and and i can't you know and marvel and dc don't want a part of it or whatever so do you and there you go to, to what Mike said, right? Mm. What what's been the the biggest uh, hurdle with working with retailers? Like, I know, I, I think we talked a little bit about this before the show. Like, I know of you guys, and I've seen you around, and obviously, I'm, I'm buddies with one of your employees, Blake. But I, just to be frank with you, I've never seen Invader book in a comic shop, and I don't go to a ton of comic shops. Mike could probably speak more to availability yeah. across the country than I can. But what's been that hurdle like trying to convince retailers like, hey, these are books worth taking on and giving a mm -hmm. shot? I mean, our, our struggle is the same that every um, smaller publisher, indie publisher faces with comic shops. Comic shops have a limited budget. Mm -hmm. And Marvel and DC 
and this is going to sound super salty, and it's because I, I am a little salty, Marvel and DC do everything that they can to eat up as much of that budget as possible. You know, when it comes to here's a special cover that you can only get if you order 50 or 100 of the regular cover. Right. And they know that they are going to get that money back because they can send them in and get that, you know, if they don't sell. Right. And so if they eat up all of their discretionary budget for that month doing that, that means that they only have a very, very small amount to take a risk on an indie book that to be very frank, they don't know if that's going to sell or not. They are taking a risk. They know that, you know, 50 copies of Wolverine are going to sell. So they're going to spend their money on that and they're business people. And I don't begrudge them doing that. They very well should, because I want comic shops to do absolutely everything that they can to stay in business. But the bottom line is they have a small and ever smaller budget for experimenting on indie books. So it's our challenge to, Give, make them an offer they can't refuse. Tell you know, show them a book that is so fucking good that they can't say no. Right. Is that okay that I'm swearing? Yeah, perfect. No, yeah, we <laughs> yeah. swearing. Yeah, yeah. Has, have you guys um, put any thought? Into... That's really it. Like we just have to do. We have to make so much noise that they can't. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. because you know, there's there's the. I mean, what Mike said, right? There's the there's the. It's it's the book. I call it the book to stock problem. Right. Mm -hmm. Like a retailer is never going to buy an invader book to stock, just yep. like they aren't going to buy a ton of other publishers that make great books um, to stock. They're they're going to buy the hot book this month, the you know, the whatever it is, because that's the thing that that they're making a business decision for. Mm -hmm. What are the the challenges and like I know a lot of a lot of stuff behind the scenes of what different publishers do to get into retailers and everything. But one of the things that I always feel to get into consumers, which might be more important um, in terms of getting your books ordered in the future is something like free comic book day. Have you guys looked into that? Has there been, is that a huge challenge? What, what goes on there that we don't. Yeah. I actually was just talking with diamond about this last month, about next month, next year's free comic book day. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're, you know, this, this coming 2024 and we're already too late for that. Mm -hmm. So like we have got to be looking at 2025 and you know, the challenges there are you have to get approved by a panel. They have to choose your book. Oh boy. Um, you have to, if you don't want to lose money on it, you got to print enough that you're only spending like 20, 25 cents per book. Wow. Print them. Um, and you have to have the kind of discretionary funds that you can afford a printing bill like that. That's which crazy. Is, yeah. I mean, it's a, you're talking about tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's wild. Uh, and being approved by a board to me already feels like you're you're already, you know, it's you're just not going to get it. Yeah, you're pushing <laughs> I mean, the boulder uphill. Yeah, right? it's like yeah. A, it's like a big boulder going uphill. When I hear that, it's like okay, well. That yeah, yeah and, so and, and, and we definitely looked at and we want to do you yeah. know we were back in when i was first starting out we were doing that with you know fubar and mm, that was a, yeah. a huge success yeah um, we we would we would love to but yeah that's true we're not the ones it, making yeah, i mean it's gotten it's gotten bigger mm -hmm. and and as it's gotten bigger there's you know unfortunately i think from our perspective um it's it's become this stratification you know, um, um, as a fan, 
when free comic book day is on the horizon, you know, there's what eight pages of solicitations for free comic book day. Now yeah, it's crazy. Platinum yeah. sponsor, gold sponsor, yeah, diamond sponsor, silver sponsor. sponsor. You're like, uh, this oh is, this is like flying United. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, right. I'm, it is. Yeah. I'm boarding group 14. How did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the way I feel. And a lot of shops around here, I, I have some local ones that, you know, you grab free books, but they're like, you know, get the golden sponsor, pay 125 bucks and you get all the, all the comics that are coming out today. I'm like, I don't know if that's how free comics works. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I do. I want to just uh, point a little attention to something on your guys' website while we're speaking of distribution and things like that. Uh, you do have a thing that says reach out if you are looking to buy direct from you guys. So is that something you work with comic shops today on? Yeah. And we've actually been doing this with our last few Kickstarters where we'll have a, um, retailer tier mm -hmm. we do a special cover for them as well oh um, cool we like to our one of our main motivations here and this is why we use the the tag keep print alive a lot of the time yep you know comics started out as this kind of throwaway thing back in the day that's great we don't believe that it should still be that we want mm -hmm. everyone to consider our catalog as a curated um, collection and i want every book that we put out to be something special that mm -hmm. you hold in your hands and it feels special that's why for all of our kickstarter books we don't have any kickstarter books all yeah. of our books are in diamond and in kickstarter we just put a special cover for the kickstarter one that is not only a unique cover but it's a thicker cardstock as well so it's a, just a little bit nicer product mm -hmm. we want it to be something that you feel proud to have on your shelves we right. want it to be something special. I think that's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like, have, yeah. Go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, have, have you been, what other publishers around you have you been, been paying attention to and seeing what they're doing and maybe kind of, I don't want to say copying, but mimicking or like, adjusting, you know, oh, what do you see around you that's making you feel like, okay, we could try this and, and maybe it'll work for us too. We are every other publisher every other creator that we think is interesting mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean it can it can be a simple thing you know um right. it can be uh i mean it can be a, a, a like a i i I'm, I'm gonna drop a name as as flattery um they don't exist anymore because they i believe they are they are now part of sumerian but mm -hmm. something that we really um that i really was smitten by was behemoth and it's branding as a company, you know, yep. like just, just the, first of all, the name behemoth mm, is yeah. amazing. And then you, they had a, they had a t-shirt that said hail behemoth. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> man, I am so in on stuff like that, you know, yeah, so right, when, we right. were, when we were brainstorming invader, we, you know, that was one of the, the companies we turned to. I just, we, we like the idea of, you know, we want it all. We're greedy. Right. And, mm -hmm. and something we like or, or we wanted was, you know, for the for the T-shirts, for for the branding, for all that stuff. We wanted it to be cool enough to where someone who doesn't know the first thing about comics would still want to wear it just because right. it looks cool. Um, yep. And so, yeah, I mean, that was one of many inspirations. But I think to Mike's point, we'll you know, you can you can take a little bit from everybody. Um, everything out, you know, everything out there that's good has germs of stuff that you can sign kind of put on your compost heap and then turn into to, to something cool that you might do. Mm -hmm. No, it makes sense. But if you wanted to point like really, really um, um, directly at something, I 
Tim Daniel has been a um, trusted friend and, and mm -hmm. colleague ever since we put out Enormous back in the 215 days. And when I was first thinking about this rebrand, he was one of the first guys that I called to just discuss our placement and approach and, and a lot of different things. And that pink and purple logo that you were talking about that you like so much, he designed mm -hmm. that. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's really that, cool. That's Tim Daniels from Vault. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. 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 So that that's, I mean, I wouldn't even say that's copying. It's just, there's a natural intersection there that, right. that you know, trusted friends. Yep. Um, so we do have some, some kind of overlap there. Um, and, and before we, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Neurocron in a second here after we get all this juicy details about publishing, but uh, <laughs> is there, do you guys see yourself? Like, I mean, you have submissions and things like that or projects you're working on. Do you find yourself like, Hey, maybe we need to be putting out a little more fantasy this year, a little more horror. Is there anything you you see like, or is it just as the ideas or projects come to you, you're like, that's cool, let's publish it? Or is there something you're looking more to be working on or showing off? I mean, you got Kung Fu in space, love that. Uh, you know, <laughs> three protectors is great, but anything like you wanted to branch out to more? We've definitely been looking at getting into more um YA stuff. Okay. Um, just because we feel as though that's a um, fertile ground that mm -hmm. is not only slightly being ignored at certain levels, um, with just with regard with how much good stuff is out there. Right. But listen, my first love is is reading and prose. I grew up with books, just I mean, bookshelves everywhere. Worked in bookstores for years, all through high school and college, and after. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I firmly believe that comics is one of the best ways to get people into reading. Mm -hmm. So yeah. YA is just a natural um, there. Yep. And we already have so many good YA books, um, both already out and coming out. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just something that I really would love to see, you know, especially with creators like Taysen with Box Boy and Keepsakers, like just getting more attention because mm -hmm. he's, he's, the epitome of what we were talking about before creators that I stumble upon. And I'm like, Holy shit. Yeah. How are you not getting more attention? Mm -hmm. um, but beyond that, and I think Keith would um, mirror this. We just pick books. We fall in love with. We, we're not mm -hmm. so much chasing genres, um, you know, and we very well may like fall in love with something for a little bit. And so you go out searching for it, but right. our, our, the way we choose books is literally the same way that, I used to choose books when I would go into the comic shop and I would mm -hmm. stumble upon the indie table and I'd pick up a book. And if I fell in love with it in those first three pages, I bought it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to compound, you know, to, to kind of try to add something to what Mike is saying, I, I think we do, you know, I personally have, and I think some of these are shared, you know, we have some things that like nice to haves. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, wouldn't it be cool if and and I know uh, I, and I can give one sort of nice to have and one thing that, you know, we might be a little bit you, you, like, again, you know, a, a little bit we favor and a little bit maybe uh, you've you've got to really work hard to get public to to get us you know, get our attention on. I, I think like manga. Right. Like I am manga is the wave of the future. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's just it's obvious. The, yep. the number of shows I go to as a as a creator and I'm tabling, it's just I see manga coming. I have kids. The kids all love it. Yeah, yeah exactly. I want right exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm trying to read more of it. Mm -hmm. 
so I, I think that's the kind of thing where, you know, like a, like a tie goes to the runner kind of situation. Mm-hmm. It would be, yeah, yeah. I mean, if we can find a good manga book, we'll, we'll put it out. Um, d- yeah. Does that mean we're going to overreach? No. But, but mm-hmm. I think if we find something cool, then we'll put it out. And then, you know, on the other side uh, is, is like superheroes, right? Like mm-hmm. I think right. you've got to be, you've got to be a different kind of superhero book to get our attention, like mm-hmm. Freaks and Gods which right. we published and is a different kind of superhero book. So, you know, you can like, we'll publish to Mike's point, anything that we just think is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there are some things out there, you know, again, we'd like to do more YA. We, you know, we have some other things that we're looking at and, you know, that, that does help kind of calibrate us going forward. Um, but we've been blown away by a few books. I don't think we can really announce yet that, um, that are in the process and, you know, just, they, they come from anywhere and we're like, that's a really cool story. We all love it. Let's publish it. I, I yeah. think the more important end of that is that we're just not going to chase trends. Mm-hmm. Cause that's just a, right. a great recipe to end up playing monkey in the middle. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's funny. You bring up YA and I don't know if this really counts as YA, maybe more younger reader, but I mean, I talk about it so much. Mike's sick of me bringing it up, but I always um, go to Dave Pilkey, who does those Dogman books, and he is by far the most successful comic creator in the world right now. And I don't understand why. I mean, like, I'm not going to read it. I don't think I, don't, I can't speak for everybody in this panel, but I don't think it's we're not the audience. Yeah. But why more people aren't diving down that rabbit hole? To be like, look what this dude's doing in the audience he's creating. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I we always go to Marvel and DC um, and say like, why why isn't there a why isn't someone call Dave and be like, you want to do an Avengers book in your style, or or just another creator to be like like you guys are saying with YA books to get people into reading. Mm-hmm. Most people's first books of my generation, and I think we're all about the same age. A lot of people go to Captain Underpants, like, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's yeah. that's Pilkey's stuff. Like, mm-hmm. so what you're so, saying is we need like a Muppet Babies for the Avengers type situation. Yeah, there I, you go. I just I want to see I want to <laughs> see publishers amazing. reaching out to younger readers, and I, I like yeah. I go to Marvel and DC because they're they're the big two, they're the they're the big bad boys in the room, and why they aren't reaching out further to because. I do, I say this very selfishly. I want more kids reading comics so that in 20 years, well, uh, hopefully 30, 40 years when I'm in a nursing home, I can still have <laughs> comics to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I think that the YA and young kids section that people are, that a lot of you guys are reaching out to. I mean, I just, I've gotten emails from a bunch of publishers about YA books that are, you know, aren't up my alley, but Fuck, mm-hmm. I hope they're successful, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for and, sure. And, the, and I would argue that the best YA, or we don't even have to say YA, just the best books for younger people are still enjoyable for adults. Yes, I guess, I mean, exactly. Right. The, mm-hmm. the Hobbit, never ending story. You know, yep. like, even selfishly, what my brother is doing with Goblin and the sequel to that, The Wolf in the Well, that'll be out mm-hmm. in July. You know, like that's aimed Which was at, a great book, by the way. Right. Yeah. Isn't he a stupid talent, fucker? No, that's enjoyable for everyone. You know, right. you want something to be. You know, I always, I always go to the, um, to the example of like a, a parent reading to a kid, and before they can read on their own, you mm-hmm. want it to be enjoyable for them. Yep, that's right. what's going to put that in there. And and you know, in in my other 
career. I've, I've been an auto journalist for 20 some odd years. And I remember I was uh, reviewing and testing a, one of the newer Mustangs, like the special edition ones that w- it was like an $80,000 car. And then I was looking at, well, like, even if you want to get the regular Mustang, it's 50 grand for a V8. Right. That's a problem. Right. My dad is willing to pay 80 grand for a Mustang now because when he was 16 in 1966, he could get a Mustang right out of high school. Right. If you can't do that as a kid, you're not going to be willing to do that in 40 years. If you don't right. get young yep. readers now, you're going to be screwed in 20 years. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. This isn't this isn't difficult math, guys. Right. Yeah, yeah. it adds up. <laughs> yeah, you can figure that out. And while we talked about that, uh, I think Chris and I had discovered one. What was the Ham Helsing? Remember that one? Oh, yeah. I still got that upstairs. I want to read it. Yeah. Which it's a, I found it in like a kid's section at a bookstore. It's a graphic novel, but it's like enjoyable. I was flipping through it. I'm like, oh, my God, I would read this in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. it's it's like it's out there. Just fun comics, you know, that can be enjoyed by anybody. Um but all right, I can I yeah, can I get yeah, one ahead. more in before we yeah, go? Yeah, get one more in. Yeah, go ahead. Because uh, it's something that I've noticed some of the some of the publishers on. Uh, I mean this in the, in the best way possible. On, on like your tier where you guys land oh. in the, the tiers of publishers. Um, one of them that I have been singing the praises of for a while now, uh, Mag Cave, just announced a bunch of IP dumps. Some of them not for me. Some of them look interesting. Have you guys, where does that land with you guys? Like, have you ever thought about like, fuck, if we got this IP and just put out this, it might help our name. Is that not of an interest to you? Well, you did the, what, the you know? night of the living book, right? Is uh, the living, is that technically an IP, right? Yeah. I guess that would count. That yeah. A, yeah. Well, that was mm-hmm. a, um, cause that was at the time when we started that project project, that was, um, there, you, it was just out there. You could just do it. Oh, okay. It was open. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. While we were putting that together, the last two producers who were still alive, they managed to put out that Criterion collection oh. and trademark the logo Night of the Living Dead and a couple of the characters' names and likenesses. Oh, Not wow. the movie itself, but that was yeah. enough that they could do it. So we actually, when that appeared in previews, we got a cease and desist. Oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> so I had to call them up and talk to them, and, and you know they were very nice people, and they were happy to help, and they didn't charge us anything, but they allowed us to be an officially licensed product. Wow, um, we were very grateful. And Night of the Living Dead is my favorite horror movie, my first horror love. So to have create because I wrote that, Will Perkins, my brother, yep. illustrated it. Mm-hmm. To be now a part of the legacy of that is just you know that's insane. True. Yeah. Um, as for that I mean, it just feels kind of against the spirit of Invader. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're, we're yeah. looking to discover new shit. Yeah, my my version, my answer to that question is no properties, yes to creators. Yeah, there okay. are creators where I'm like, oh yeah, they'd be cool to work with, mm-hmm. and uh, and hey, and and there's a couple that we're talking to right now that we hope uh, can be part of a future schedule. Uh, a, a couple awesome. creators where it was like, oh, this person's really cool, and uh, you know, who is it, Keith? Tell us who is it. Mike Kelly. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure who you're talking about, to be honest. When we're when, when uh, we're done, re- you can tell us when we're done recording. That's usually when we get. Yeah, to yeah. I'll, we'll okay. we'll tell you when we're done recording. Okay. All we, right. I, I believe we we have a spot in our 2020. 24 schedule for this person. Okay. So great. Yeah. 
I love I love to hear it. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It was just a good joke. So yeah. go on. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that, makes, that was pretty much it. Like creators no, makes, are, yeah. are, are, I, you know, I, I think in terms of creators as opposed to properties. Yeah, I think that makes sense because you could always be like, oh, yeah, we want to do. Well, I guess Wizard of Oz doesn't really isn't trademarked, but like we want to do an Oz book. And it's like, OK, mm -hmm. well, you could anybody could write it and it could come out any way you want. But if you have a specific writer or creator you're looking for, then, you know, this is what we're yeah. expecting out of them as as far as tone or artwork mm -hmm. or something. That makes yeah. more sense. As opposed yeah. to doing yeah, a regular someone... Oz book and just trying to force creators that like we need someone to put this book out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I had someone come to me because there was a brief period where the Godzilla license, I think, was up for grabs because mm -hmm. IDW lost it and then no yep. one had it. And since then, I think IDW has gotten it back. But they were like, yeah. you should, you know, what What if what if 215, whatever, at the time, probably yeah. 215, but what if Invader, you know, went with the Godzilla license? And it's like, I write a giant monster book. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not, it's, already well it's, not yeah. it's not Godzilla, but it right. does have giant monsters smashing things. So it yep. it's the essence of Godzilla, you know. Um, yep. so so yeah, for me, I think it, it's always about a creator and their take on something, and you you better change it up enough to where it's yours, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's always that's always a side of the fence I think I'm gonna land on. And yeah. that's not to say that we would be, you know, opposed to you know different IPs or license. Because, yeah. you know, very honestly, Gory Books, which was the um, series that the Night of Living Dead book was from, that got a lot of attention. And we've had a lot of different companies come to us and talk to us about doing um, licensed properties in that same series. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And they're, convers they're ongoing conversations. So there's that could very well happen. But it's certainly not something that we're going to chase. If I'm going to be yeah. Yeah. chasing stuff, I, there are other avenues that I would rather walk down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about, can I give an obscure reference? Is that cool? With, with visual aid? Yeah. Now Mike someone came it, to me with a, a with a super inframan comic. Okay. All right. <laughs> based on one of my favorite obscure movies of all time, then yes, I think, and I know I, Invader would have one, one strong voice. Yes. In the room for a super inframan comic. Keith is going to have an influx in his email of all these random scripts. <laughs> Man, I'll be like, happy if I get American one person cheese? that oh. says, Oh yeah, there yeah, you go. There sure. You go. Yeah, sure. I Why mean, what's his backstory? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's probably really scary. I don't want to know. It, honestly, I don't know. It's uh, too dark. To it's too dark to publish. Yeah. yeah. So before I before we get to uh, we're gonna get to Neurocon, but Keith, I didn't want to bring up uh, Kadoja because you did mention it there for a second. Uh, I'm a huge Godzilla fan, and I'm very ashamed to just realize today that you had a giant monster book. So I will mm -hmm. be going and reading all of them and hopefully talking to you in the future about it because yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to go do my research now. No, it's but. good. It's it's been going and and I'm I'm actually writing um what is going to be the final issue that's gonna come oh, out wow. next year. It, it was designed as sort of a maxi story. Um so mm -hmm. four graphic novels in in total. And uh yeah, I'm putting the you know, I'm writing the last one on um, the art the art still has to be done for it. But, uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been, it was the first comic I ever did. It's a big part of my life. And, you know, now I'm happy to write a bunch of other comics and, and I'm also happy to sort of usher this thing to the finish line and, and put cool. a bow on it. Very and cool. Don't forget enormous Mike. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Enormous too. Oh, hold on. I'm going down the list here. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's yeah. another perfect example. Yeah. That book came out with image. Yep. Mm -hmm. And for some fucking reason, image said, <laughs> No, I'm not. We don't want to continue with that. Like, yeah, you, with, with a creator of the caliber of Tim, 
Yeah, Tim Daniel book. Yep. Yep. And that story is like, yeah. you can't. So he came to us and he was like, hey, you, yeah, yeah, fuck yes, we want to put that out. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yes. Right. And he's been kind enough to say that Invader will always be the home of Enormous. So we yeah. are, you know, re releasing the original books um, under the Enormous banner. And then we'll be. Oh, you are? Out Okay. Oh yeah, we already put out the first volume. It should be in mm -hmm. stores in a couple months. We just okay. finished the Kickstarter last month. Yeah, and next month. And, mm -hmm. and then we'll be uh, we'll be putting out new issues. This is all this is all just in prepper to like start it over to get everybody on board again and, and keep going with the series. That's awesome because I would love to start there too. Yeah, and and as a kaiju fan, you know, like, yeah, like, like it. What I what I love about Enormous too is it's it's a different kind of kaiju story. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, as someone who who loves the kaiju genre, it's cool to see different, you know, branches kind of uh, form under this this cool genre of kaiju storytelling. Yeah, I love that. Plus the getting to see some different design giant monsters is where I, I, I mean, I love that. Shit, yeah, so. yeah. The monsters yeah. in Enormous are fantastic. Yeah, in terms yeah of design. they're really cool. <laughs> um, all right, guys, we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, Neurocron. Uh, that's why we, you know, we got to pimp some stuff out here too. So uh, let's talk Neurocron. It comes out in February, right? End of February. Uh, yes, uh, I believe yes. issue one. So give us the uh, give us the rundown on that on that book. So this is a book that was brought to us. Speaking of uh, invading new spaces, um, Kevin and I, in our in our day jobs, we work with production companies, um, and so we work on a lot of um, you know. Kevin has worked for Comedy Central. He worked for um, uh, Discovery History Channel. I've worked with Discovery Nat Geo. We, we met actually doing a rebrand for the Philo streaming service of all wow. things. Um, <laughs> and one of our friends, Dan Powell, is a producer on shows like Ugly Americans and I Think You Should Leave. Mm. And a lifelong comic fan, and another one of these guys who has been, you know, writing comics his entire life, but has never had any of them put out. And so he teamed up with Dennis Calero, who did work on uh, Spider-Man Noir, X-Men Noir, amongst many others, um, and put together this book, Neurocron, which is a cyberpunk dystopian um, crime thriller that centers around a um, murder that happens in a shady part of town and they find some cybernetic tech on the body and it leads to a um what they thought was a cyber um techno cultist that has disappeared and they find that he is still alive at the center of this mystery um it is the art is just absolutely fantastic um the the narrative the story is absolutely something that you would expect from someone who's a lifelong comic fan and who has written for some really big properties. We, we guided them through um, some of the ways to make the story even better. And we are going to be debuting the first issue, even though it officially lands in stores in February, we're going to be we printed up 200 copies of a special cover um, nice. for the first issue. And we'll be debuting it at LA comic-con December 1st through 3rd. Um, what's our table, Keith? Uh, it is B49. We are table B49 in Artist Alley. Right. B49. He will be there um, signing copies on Sunday, I think. Saturday. Mm -hmm. Saturday is what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> the, the better day to be um, there. Yeah. 
And another, again, another perfect example of this invading new spaces, um, the creators of Darla, which is a book that we put out earlier this year, which got a lot of attention in Fangoria, that's put out by Josh Rubin, who is the writer director of uh, movies, the horror comedy movies like um, Werewolves Within and Scare mm -hmm. Me. Um, I'm sure you've seen Josh around. He will also be there signing copies along with the artist Bree Tippetts. Um, we're going to be having some of our special Kickstarter covers there. We, we do not sell our Kickstarter covers other than on the Kickstarters or at cons. Mm -hmm. So this is the only place you can get them. Cool. Um, we're going to be having a real good time. I, I'm a big yeah. fan of exclusives, so that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, I think, this is the first show that we've done as Invader. So, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, we're we're looking forward to it. And uh, I, I mean, I, so I, I like doing a little inside baseball stuff. Um, yeah. One of my look, comic being being part of a comic company, there's 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 things that are like, oh, they try they try your your nerves a little bit, mm -hmm. um, or or whatever. But one of my favorite things um, about being part of a comic company is when you is when you combine cool art with cool logos. So uh, we have been, the the logo journey of Neurocron was really fun to just <laughs> yeah. see the logos continue to like elevate and, and different treatments and all that stuff. And then you get to the cool treatment and, and then you get to mess with the different colors. You know, I'm one of those cool, like, I just, I love, you know, like I, I have some invader books, you know, lined up next to each other on the shelf mm -hmm. here. And I like that they sort of go together because they have the unifying logo. It's right. always neat when you have both, you know, books that look cool, you know, mount, you know, displayed on a shelf, you know, spine wise. Mm -hmm. Right. But, uh, but yeah, logo so, is always in the same spot. Yeah. Spot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so, so the Neurocron, I mean, we, you know, we've we went through this with with the the special LA Comic Con version of number one. We went through it with the uh, the Diamond, the comic retailer version of number one, and we were just you know going back and forth on the the logo treatment for number two. And like every time a new issue comes through with what we agree is the final logo, it's like oh man, it looks so cool, you yeah. know. So just a, one of, one of those fun little things about being a part of a comic company too. And the, awesome. we have to give credit to our art director Michael Nelson. He just, mm -hmm. he's been doing the majority of our logos and covers, both um, the shop covers and our Kickstarter exclusive and the retailer exclusive covers, all that stuff, and has been absolutely fucking killing it. Mm -hmm. His own book, Supernaut, this is another situation yep. where we found this, it was like, how are you not getting more attention? Take a look at Supernaut. The design on that book alone is the reason that we asked him to be our art director because yeah, the, the art is amazing. Yeah, it's it's insane mm -hmm. the way this. Yeah. And it's just the the density and the detail of the of the design of that book. Mm -hmm. What made me a fan forever and ever. Amen. I mean, yeah, the guy. I mean, look at listen. I'm talking about my own company. Yep. Again, but look at our covers. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Mike Nelson. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they're really and, and, and it's just, yeah a a familiar refrain of dealing um, when creators will get back their covers once we give them the logo treatment. I yeah. mean, every time they're like, "Holy shit, this looks so good!" And yeah. it's 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 Mike Nelson. You know, it's 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 the work that Mike is doing just through every single book, doing the coolest stuff for us. So yeah, he That's he awesome. is awesome. Yeah. That's, That's super not yeah. covers dope. 
Yeah. If you yeah. if you want help designing your cover, designing your logo, contact Mike Nelson. That has nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not. Yeah. I'm not his agent. I'm not taking the right. percentage here. <laughs> yeah. He's just he's just fantastic, and he just does amazing work. Yeah. Did he do the ones for Back to Fairy Tale? Yeah. Uh, no, that was done. But I mean, he he did the cover, to the final cover dress and everything like that. But the um, the art on that and that cover was done by um, uh, who was that? I was just gonna say it, it, that series in particular. We talked about a little bit on the show where like my pull list is so big that I'm trying to cut it. Mm. but that's one mm-hmm. of those series that i look at and i'm like they know who their audience is and yep. i'm their audience and I, it just their covers speak to me so well because I, yeah. I feel like i'm gonna love that book just by the cover yeah mm-hmm. every time yep. yeah they're amazing yeah, it was they and they just continually put out new ones you know we had that um we had the special second printing of the first issue where it showed the oh, censored yes. he's holding up the the severed troll yeah. nutsack yeah like, yeah love that cover yeah diamond made us censor that oh man come yeah, on that, that was also fun remember we 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 messed with the censoreds yeah and yeah. i think the once we got the one back that i think the final version that just has censored absolutely everywhere like yeah. plastered over like bad stickers yeah and we were like this is so perfect it fits the tone of the book it's, it's the best. Yeah. that's awesome yeah and that's um, and again that's another perfect example of, of the invader approach you're looking for new things that's put right. together by a group called mondo 23 this is a group of comic fans from germany who have written some of the most um, popular German television shows the last 20 years. They're they're a creative collective together and they wanted to put it, they just always wanted to put out comics and to talk about a home run on your first. Yeah. Would you ever think that this was a debut comic? Yeah. That's insane. No way. Just judging by what I've seen of the book, I I wouldn't believe you. It's (laughs) (laughs) yeah, not, not at all. That's and we've insane. got the collected trade of that one coming up uh, in a few months too. Mm-hmm. Wow. Awesome. All right. I'll be looking for it. Well, I know you guys have been really generous with your, with your time, but if you don't mind, I had one more thing I wanted to dive into. Of course. How yeah. has the Kickstarter initiative gone for you and what have you seen? What's, what's kind of coming down the pipeline for that? It has been just absolutely perfect. You know, one of our biggest gripes with working with diamond is that you don't know who's buying your books. And I don't mean like the individual who ends up with the book. I mean the stores. So you have no idea. You don't know if like all of your sales are coming from the Northeast, for instance. Mm-hmm. You don't know if all of your sales are coming from two stores. You don't know shit. That's frustrating. So mm-hmm. with Kickstarter, we're able to communicate directly with the readers. And that was something that was we only previously ever got at cons and especially once the pandemic hit and we weren't doing cons anymore, that was something that was completely ripped away from us. And it was so frustrating. So the fact that we get to communicate directly with the readers, the fact that we get to put out more covers without falling victim to the whole, like a million different variants, bullshit, mm-hmm. we get to do some really special shit. All of our books now come with, 
you know, extra swag, you know, like we do those metal bookmarks, which are all so gorgeous. We get to do prints or sticker groupings, we, all kinds of unique stuff. And it's, you know, that's some of the most fun part of, like you were saying, like exclusives. It's like some of the most mm -hmm. fun part of comics. So that it allows us to do that. And it also gives us a little bit of, of wiggle room where, you know, like normally if you have a book that maybe sales drop after issue two or three, which they all do, when we're doing this, this just gives us that little bit of financial bump to make sure that that never results in a cancellation. Because like we've, we are 100% committed to never, ever cancel a book unless a creator stops making the book. We can't help that, obviously. Right. But like, we're never going to do it where, you know, Diamond says, okay, we're not going to, you know, you, you drop a little issue. We're going to stop listing this. Fuck you. We're going to keep putting out that book. Yeah. And this mm -hmm. just makes sure that that happens. Um, so to get to like create all this really cool stuff to get to, you know, communicate directly with the readers. It's been, it's been nothing but great. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. And I, I think you're using it in the right way to, like you said, elevate the um, exclusives and even helping out local comic shops, like get, getting those nice cardstock covers like you talked about. I think that's a great idea, too. So, And, yeah. you know, selfishly, because we have the Kickstarters running at the same time that the book is in previews, mm -hmm. it's just another way to try and get a little bit more attention on the book itself, which, you yeah. know, being heard above the noise is it's fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. I can imagine. So. Yeah, and, and, you know, to, to compound on one thing like the, you know, this, we do have this frustration with, with diamond, not being willing to share the retailer information. Mm -hmm. I, I sort, I like, I, I bet I understand why they do it, which is they don't want to give you the, the means to go direct and to cut them off. But I would argue that, that that's not, that's not a guarantee, you know, like right. if, if, if I'm a retailer, why would I want, you know, 50 to 100 comic publishers going direct with me? Why would I want to, why would I want to spend my life paying invoices from 50 different comic publishers when I could just consolidate them through one place? So right. I, I, I understand the logic of them doing it, but I, you know, there's in a, in a, in a multiverse where, where they give comic companies comic publishers that information i'm not sure it changes that much well all it does is allow us to partner with retailers <laughs> right yeah. and that that's that's why we we are like desperate for that information because we'd love to know so we could say hey you, you know you want a free poster you know if, if someone buys a lot of copies do you want to do a signing you know any of these kind of things that that wouldn't just help us they would help comic retailers you know yeah. and and i think you know, the, the comic retailers I talk to and, and, and so what I've heard in conversations and what I see from comic retailers is I think comic retailers are really trying to get ahead of, of the market in that they're trying to make their store like a destination. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's smart. You know, I, I, as a creator, um, Mike's done one and, and I've done, I think six in stores this year. 
because and and this is the biggest number of in-stores I have ever seen. And odds are your local comic shop out there is doing something cool just like that. Whatever it right. is, a DJ, uh, a creator signing, you know, yep. a, a cool release around a book. And I, and I think that's great to see comic retailers doing that. I, I think there's a degree of creativity to it. And there's also a degree of necessity to it because, you know, with with the comic industry the way it is, you want to make sure that that you keep your fans going and, and buying comics and, and wanting to visit your store to buy those comics. Yeah. And, and you're hundred percent right because I think COVID proved your point that comic retailers across the United States bitched and moaned when it became three different invoices they had to pay, let alone 50. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. yeah. Right. So, and, and yeah, it makes more sense. Cause then you could call up Joe's comics in Oklahoma and be like, you get every invader book. Like do you, do you want some uh, bookmarks to hand out to your people? Do you want a poster? Yeah, right, right. That's what it would go toward, at least for you smaller guys. Yeah, uh, you have no idea how yeah. slutty we would be if we found a, a comic <laughs> shop that was you know, buying all of our Please, things. please, we'll give you everything. <laughs> I will show up and yeah. oh, God. Oh, like, God. You know, with the so Invader many... bikini. Uh, like Mike, Mike what do you want to on your pizza, friend. I'm Mike bringing. showed up with a trench coat on. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> but like with so many of the bigger cons, no longer, let's be honest, being comic cons, they're pop culture cons yeah. at best. Mm-hmm. At fucking best. Yeah, right. The, the, the opportunity for comic shops to like fill in that vacuum and and you know, like I did Cape and Cowl Con, the first one this year from one of my local shops and Listen, also, Tim did the logos for that one, too, (laughs) Um, because he's everywhere. Um, That was one of the best cons I've been to in years. And it had the it it came the closest to that feeling that I had back when Comic Cons were really, really good and and actually about comics. You know, we had a like the the amount of people who were there that were, you know, it was a smaller amount of people because it was just, you know, in Berkeley, California, it wasn't some big thing. But every single person there was there for comics. Every single person. And it felt fantastic. Yeah. Yep. And we, we're starting to see that, too, with with smaller conventions. Yeah, smaller comics. You know, so, yeah, these these one-day, you know, two-day conventions, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I had one down the street from me in Whittier uh, a couple weekends ago. You know, they're, they're popping up everywhere. And that's cool to see. It's cool to see... Um, comics reasserting themselves as mm-hmm. as the focus of of a show for you to go to right it's funny because i i don't i didn't know how spoiled i was with that and actually mike you might have gone to this one a few times i won't name the city that i live in but the city i live in had a local comic-con that mm-hmm. invited a few shops the the shop in town uh ran it had some creators and it was old school we're in the hotel Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, conference oh, yeah. room and all just hanging out. Mm-hmm. And I'd go there every year, and it'd be like, you know, it'd be fun. You didn't think much of it, and then COVID killed that thing. It's gone. Yeah, and I never yeah, realized how spoiled I was. Yep. Yes. A few times. I I think he did a beware poster for it one year. Mm-hmm. He did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. So, but yeah, guys, guys. You, you've been awesome with your time. So yeah, we we greatly appreciate all the time you took yeah. with us today. Yeah. I mean, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're awesome. we, we love talking comics. 
I'll get yeah. slutty with you guys too. I, All right, yeah. great. Let's go. All right, <laughs> turn give, off. give go. it the address. Give it the address, <laughs> quick. Uh, yeah. So before you go, uh, let's pimp out the the website and stuff. Where do we want to send all our listeners and our viewers to follow the Invader shit that's going on? You can find us absolutely everywhere at Invader Comics. So that's invadercomics.com, Facebook, Twitter, Tum- or, uh, Instagram. Uh, we're on Blue Sky. TikTok, we got a, a, a Substack, you name it, man. We're everywhere. Awesome. Great. We have invaded so many spaces. Yeah. <laughs> I just stick to Twitter right now. I can't do all that other shit. Okay. <laughs> to all you lovely people out there watching, listening, as well as those places, you can check out the show notes because I'll have links to the, the previews website where you can just click and order your copy of Neurocron and also the Invader website. So you can click and check that out as well. So make sure you go do that. Boys, thank you so much for being on, taking the time today. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll do it again soon. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. And we are back. We're back. Uh, Check out their website. They got a lot of cool stuff on there, a lot of cool books already. Um, Looking forward to what they have coming out next. Yeah. And if you uh, go to your local comic shop and get your previous catalog, uh, Neurocron is in previews right now tell them you want it uh comic news um mix rock studies new game suicide squad kill the justice league is set to release next year while we wait dc has announced a prequel comic in fe- coming in february the comic will go by uh, the name suicide squad kill arkham asylum uh it's gonna be written by john layman art by jesus hervis the comic will tell the story of the team coming together leading to the events of the game Sure, I might check it out. I'm impressed by the creative team. Yeah, John Lehman <laughs> writing it and uh, Jesus on the art. I don't understand. Is, is Harley Quinn wearing Deathstroke colors? Or is that just maybe it's just the color scheme of the cover? I think it, it might be the color scheme of the okay. cover. Because I think in the game, she's very red and blue. Yeah, I, okay. But um, cool cover. I like the cover. Yeah, cool cover. The game looks cool. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I, I know they released some at, like some of the combat from the game, and it was just a bunch of people shooting guns. And I was like, okay, if I get to control the 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 Suicide Squad, I want them to use their powers. I don't want to be shooting guns at people. This, like at least have a specific move set. I kind of understand, and it, there mu- it must work because they do it all the time, but. I kind of understand them doing stuff before the main project comes out. Like we talked about Rebel yeah. Moon a little while ago and like the right. comic was announced, but this is one of those things that like I would want to play the game. Yeah. And then if I love the game, I'll buy the comic. Right. Uh, yeah. And, it does seem and, kind of strange. Yeah. And just where I'm at with my comic reading, like I'm, I'm actively trying to cut things off my list. <laughs> So, if yeah. you want to get onto my list, it, you got to be something really special at this point. And I, I think this will be a cool book. I'd be in, interested to check it out at some point, but yep. we'll see if it ever reaches the echelon of me actually picking it up. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, it's got to be something interesting. I think having the name Suicide Squad versus the Arca, Arkham Asylum is going to get people to read it for sure. Yeah, th- there's a lot of Suicide Squad fans out there, and they're going to be excited just to have a Suicide Squad book again. Yeah. 
uh, even if it is a tie into a video game. But I, I mean, I like the cast. Uh, I mean, John Lehman writing it too is pretty huge. And yeah, and, and I, I was just about to say that, like Lehman jumping on mm-hmm. says that there's something either it pays really well or there's something here that he really uh, is yeah. looking forward to. So, uh, this one's gonna definitely be going on my pull list. Titan Comics announced um, some new Soulsborne stuff. We have a new Dark Souls comic coming. Uh, Titled Dark Souls The Willow King. The series will have four issues written by George Mann with art by Man House. Uh, yeah, cool cover. Uh, Willow King is obviously a character. Um, uh, a character within um, within the Dark Souls universe. And uh, yeah, I just I like I like what they do with these little miniseries. They had the Bloodborne one that came out. Um, they put into trades more dark Souls stuff isn't bad so i think dark souls the, the more than the story side of it the visual storytelling is very interesting to me so um having it in a comic book form where you can like look at some amazing art of some crazy characters and landscapes is always fun for me so yeah i've always said i don't like the dark souls games uh, yeah because i'm a noob but uh sorry <laughs> <laughs> right. but the art direction for those games is so fucking good dude. it is really good yeah I, it, it makes me want to like them. Yeah. That's how good it is. Yep. So, but yeah, I'm pretty I, excited I, for this. Yeah. I won't jump into this. Yeah. Um, I knew you would be all about it, though. It, I'm really excited for those fans because it, it yeah. doesn't seem like there's going to be a Dark Souls game anytime soon. No. They no. definitely moved on to other things like Elden Ring. And then if we get, you know, more of that stuff, but even an Elden Ring comic, I'd be okay with that too. So anything that's in those universes. Yeah, Elden Ring Two is definitely what's next for them. I mean, there's no way yeah. that is not yeah. development. Um, following the comic event, big game. Mark Miller discussed that the future of Miller World Comics. He teased a few comics coming in the next few years, like Sharky versus Space Bandits and Nemesis. He also said that his comics will remain separate from each other outside of the future crossovers, while saying that he wants big game to remain unique. So don't expect a new crossover anytime soon. There was also a very subtle hint that he could be working with DC in the future interesting what would mark miller be writing at dc a justice league book because we don't have one of those right now i don't i mean i'm trying to think back on his marvel stuff and it was a lot of like ultimates yeah it was where he could be a little edgy because that's what mark like a like a crime syndicate book yeah or suicide squad book oh suicide squad yeah yeah that'd be cool I'd be interested to see. I, I mean, who knows if this is him just playing around uh, or whatnot? But oh, that, you know what, Chris? He did a bunch of authority stuff. That's right. He did do a bunch of yeah. Authority stuff. He's gonna come back and do that. I guarantee you, because they're they're talking about the authority being in the Superman movie, so people need to know who they are again. Yeah, I have a feeling. <laughs> and he did authority before it was DC, right? Yeah, his he did. Yeah, it was still Wildstorm Comics when he wrote it. Yeah. Yep. That'd be interesting. Unless he did some more Red Sun, but I doubt it's going to be that. He did do Red Sun. So he has worked with DC in the past. Oh, yeah. I, He's done uh, All-Star Superman. Was that him? No, that was Grant Morrison. Was it? Yeah, it was Grant Morrison. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm thinking of something else. Um, he also did some of the Flash. He did a Swamp Thing stuff. He did some Superman Adventures stories. You know what? It, it's going to be Red Sun. Yeah, you think so? 
<laughs> they're bringing back Elseworlds. They brought back uh, Gotham by Gaslight. Oh my god, yeah, you're right. I hope it's Red Sun, please. It's Red Sun. The 100%. thing is, does does he want to go back and do Red Sun? Is the question. <sighs> Once again, what's the paycheck look like? <laughs> yeah, sure. If I want. I pulled up this uh, um, quote from his little interview. Yeah. And um, I just want to say, Mike, mm-hmm. me and Malar are on the same page. Okay. So this is what he said about, you know, is he going to do a bunch of crossover? Like, is everything going to cross over now and all this yeah. stuff? He says, no, I think it's important to keep them apart again for the most part. So big games stay special, like you just said. Yeah. Think of how Crisis and Secret Wars felt. This is one single, there is one single possible crossover character later down the line, but I don't want to spoil that. I wanted to bring up the Secret Wars thing, because that's what I said about the book when it was done, that it felt like Secret Wars. Right. And how it was done. So I just wanted to toot my horn a little bit, but I, dude, I, I love that book. Did, um, hopefully we're going to talk about issue five later. I don't know if you got, yeah, to I did finish not. it. Yep. Yeah. I read okay. So we're going to go deep into that. But one thing I was, when I was reflecting on the book was that there was, I'm not as big of a Millar fan as you are. Right. So I haven't read, like, I know you've read almost everything he's done. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I have not. This got me to want to go back and read some of this stuff. Yeah, and, there's a lot of good stuff there. And one of them is that uh that Sharky Bounty Hunter book, whatever it's called. Yeah, so it's like his Lobo. One. It's his Lobo book, pretty much. I forgot I even read that, dude. When they show up in the in the final issue, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. So now, like, that's on my list of need to read um, mm. because next year we're getting another one. Then I can yep. jump on that. I Yeah, I he did a phenomenal job with this book. I'm really happy about what he's talking about in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Nemesis already, so down for that. Yeah. Yep. Yes. I, I think he Nemesis. I, I think he hit a grand slam with this one. And I think yep. a lot more people are feeling the way I am from how I'm talking about it, about it with people mm-hmm. just in real life that they're just blown away by it. Yeah. And no, he did he did such a great job. Yeah. It's a perfect segue to jump into the comics we read this week because we could talk about it right now. Okay, so everybody, we're going to talk about the comics we read this week. We're going to start with full-on spoilers of big game number five. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so right off, like, the whole resolve of it, making Kick-Ass the <laughs> American hero was, like, the final, like, icing and cherry top of the ice cream sundae was, like, because this dude doesn't want to not fight anymore. He's depressed. I mean, he doesn't want to not be a superhero anymore. He's depressed. He wants to go out there and fight crime. He is willing to put his life on the line. So they they like make him the Captain America pretty much with these suits of powers. Uh, yeah. If I can jump in right there. Yeah. You never read Ambassador, right? I'm trying to think what Ambassador was. That was the one where they, they found the formula for superpowers and they wanted to have a... A oh yeah for every country no i didn't i didn't that was the only one i didn't read yeah okay that was one i read that i really liked yeah and one of the funny through lines throughout the book i think we talked about it at the time but just as a reminder to make that hit even harder was there was like a a joke throughout the book that they could never figure out like get somebody who could be the superhero for america because oh, okay. part of it was they had to have a certain approval rating 
Oh, or something. Okay. Yeah. And the whole joke was like, and Americans can't agree on anything. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so for him to get it, not only does it go full circle from Kick Ass, but it goes full circle from that book where they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is the guy. Yeah. That moment was great. Yeah. That, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was it was a great way to end things. I mean, we pretty much got to see everybody in the issue. Uh, Hit Girl uh, decides to rewind everything um, and gets and then uh, and the uh, the magic order gets involved because, you know, the guy from oh, man, the guy from the past who was part of the the giant like space colony. And I can't remember the name of that Starlight. That wasn't the Starlight book, was it? I can't remember the name of that book. Yeah, I think it was Starlight, the uh, Huck yeah. character. No, there's the guy who's like the big. He's like, uh, he's like the big galactic emperor guy. I can't remember. Oh, the name of that. I think that's new for this series. No, that there's was the guy book. that was in the past that came yeah. to the future. Yeah, that was a book. I can't remember the name of the book. It was like a space. It was like a space book that he wrote, and I can't remember the name of it. Empress, I think it was called Empress. If you type, if you look up Empress by Mark Miller, that might have been another series. Something like that. Was that Those... the first one he did at Marvel? No. It can't yeah, be. Yeah, he did it at Icon. It... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that, oh. that's, that's where that came from. Like, he was a, that character was like protecting a, some sort of royalty, and that guy was the father who like rules the galaxy. Yeah, that's, that's a whole other storyline of characters oh yeah so like literally all those characters were have been done before that's, that's all see that's the type of shit like that yeah i will probably check out empress now yeah it was crazy I can find it yeah <laughs> uh i think i have the issues up to look but yeah that was another that was another callback and to, for him to find out oh i don't rule the galaxy anymore i need to come i need to come to that future um but then we're like oh yeah magic is involved this person calls themselves a wizard they're like that's close enough you know like um i thought it was i thought it was a crazy ending where they make you think that hit girl gets shot in the head was pretty messed up uh yeah. but then they're like oh by the way she went back in time so that was old hit girl and you're like oh okay that makes sense thanks you know uh that was pretty interesting but i think the way they ended things and like seeing all the villains die like nemesis the way he died was pretty awesome uh where he's like he's like why isn't it working you know like I, we should be sapping their powers and it doesn't work well he's not uh, dead well yeah that's true. He's incapacitated. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, I don't know. I What I got out of this is I would like to see a kick-ass book where he has powers. That's what I would like to see. Unless they do an, like another ambassador series with him or something. Yeah, I think so. I love the, the comic book science of like rewinding time, doing yeah. that whole thing. That was great. Uh, the whole the flipping on its head. Great fight scene at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I think 100% either we'll get, we're definitely getting an ambassador too, and it will probably star uh, kick ass. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, and we'll see. I mean, that character is 100% coming back. Yeah. There's no way they went all that way and didn't do it. I hope so. My absolute. So this issue from start to finish was just a blast. Like, I yeah, fucking no, love this. It was, it was a lot of fun. The epilogue made me so happy. <laughs> I can't even remember what was in the epilogue. Well, so 
everybody might remember a book that Melinda oh yeah like called reborn yeah yes the part yeah the part of reborn was so good reborn was my favorite Millar book is my favorite Millar book yeah by far and when uh what's his name from wanna dies yeah and they're like and everybody's celebrating doing the whole thing and that goes the epilogue and he goes to the world of reborn which is where you go after you die it's right like Malar's version of heaven or whatever yeah and the chick from reborn just comes and goes he doesn't look like a good a good dude and cuts his head off and cuts keeps walking off. yeah grinning from ear to ear man was, was so awesome. happy yeah that was such a great way to send it off yeah yeah i want that book back so bad kapulu I, I know you're going to work for marvel but like yeah i don't think we'll get that for a while no yeah that was awesome that was such a great series as a side did you see kapoor's uh instagram post the other day no i didn't he was doing a sketch of the thing Uh uh-huh and uh he was like he posted the picture of the thing his Uh sketch and he said officially signed my marvel exclusive contract today oh boy yeah so we talked about exclusive contract a long time ago but now it's official and i was just like is he hinting at some Fantastic Four thing? Because Mike might lose his goddamn mind. Yeah, I, if he goes on Fantastic <laughs> Four, that would be amazing. That would be so much fun for him to do, too. He would probably love that. Yeah, I really hope he doesn't just end up as an X artist. I mean, I know. I know X-Men fans are excited for that. But for me personally, I just I don't like the X-Men. And I would I would like to see creatives do something new, not just go back to their greatest hits their all stuff. the time. Yeah, that would, that would be nice. Um, yeah. But yeah, Big Game 5 was awesome. Miller had this years and years in the making. He did a great job with it. Um, yeah, I think it was a great event book. That's how you do an event book. Yeah, I think, at least for me, you'll be hearing more about that book uh, come December. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, another book that everybody will be hearing about for me is probably World's Finest. Uh, World's Finest 21 came out. Mark Wade, Mora on the art. Uh, so we're still in Kingdom Come. Um, we have the Superman and Batman from our earth fighting with Thunderman. He's not Thunderboy anymore. Um, <laughs> he's a Thunderman now. Yeah. And I don't really understand. I don't know if this is like the art is poorly drawn or like why Superman doesn't have gray hair anymore. The kingdom comes Superman. Um, I think cause they're younger. Is it? Okay. They're That's all supposed the, to be younger. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So we're, we're at a younger and like, Batman, Superman from Kingdom Come team up and they're like, yeah, why are you messing with Thunderman? They don't believe the story that they give. And then Gog shows up um, with all the, the young heroes and is like, what are you doing? Um, so I thought it was overall it was a good issue. Um, I'd like to see where this goes now. And instead of just a big fight, like I want to see some more Kingdom Come stuff. It was a fine issue. Yeah, I just the trope of the two different versions of the superhero coming together and they have to fight and like, okay, I get, we had to do it, but right. But you think like they would listen to reason, right? Like they must like Superman must know that's another Superman, but I guess kingdom come has never been introduced to the multiverse. They mentioned that. Right. So, which is interesting. They keep mentioning that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It, it, that, because that's been the defense from people I've talked to about it. It's like, well, they don't know about the multiverse. I'm like, okay, but like, but they did the they did the JSA that Kingdom Come series where Kingdom Come Superman comes through to Earth too. Yeah. So my only guess is this is further in the past. But yeah. Even, so this is really even then, back. like, for that to be the like for me, 
because I just this issue didn't really do much for me. It's a fine issue. It's not going to make me quit the series or anything. It's just kind yeah. of I'm ready for the next one. Mm-hmm. We didn't. You didn't have to write it like this. Like they could have just skipped this, right? <laughs> but yeah. um, but the Gog thing was cool. The reveal at the end where Gog's mm-hmm. like the the ruler. Um, yeah, it definitely makes me want to go back and read Kingdom Come again because it's been mm-hmm. a while. Yeah, me too. Uh. Godzilla versus Kong versus Justice League number two. Bucoletto and Deuce on the art. Yes, this was a great issue. Uh, you have like different teams fighting different monsters. You have the Batman team is fighting the giant bat monster that's in Gotham, of course. Uh, so like they they work they like attach uh, they strap like uh, Black Canary to the hood of the Batwing to like <laughs> use a sonic scream that was so awesome and then superman is gets taken down trying to fight godzilla because it's godzilla and then you have this other uh story of wonder woman going to themyscira to find fight the giant like mammoth that's there and she drops off green arrow at monster island because monster island has appeared out of nowhere um overall is a great issue i think yeah good issue i uh i really want to see because it's it's a green arrow trope of like and even says it like it's not my first time on a deserted island right yeah yeah. uh and that's a trope with green arrow that i like so for him to be on this particular island yeah nobody else is gonna be fun yeah full of giant monsters yeah i i so i liked everything here the whole bat fight was fun Mm -hmm. a little disappointed we didn't use like more well-known monsters to go against but yeah yeah. But like tiny disappointment in a, an overall like really good book. So a giant bat monster was kind of cool though. Yeah, 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 it was. I thought, yeah. <laughs> and that the Jason Todd moment of like I've got the shot, I'm taking it. Everybody, yeah, like, dude, just chill the fuck out, dude. Just chill. You don't need to shoot before you like figure it out. Yeah, and then he does it anyways, and they're like, just like, you know what? Let's just knock this dude out and just move yeah. on. With yeah. lives. <laughs> I did love that they knocked Jason Todd out. They're like, come on, dude, you're like you're such a buzzkill. <laughs> yeah, this this was. I think I brought it up last time where mm-hmm. we wanted more Godzilla in our Godzilla comic. Yeah. Uh, this was more of what I was, I was wanting out of a yeah. justice league versus Godzilla book. So yeah, for sure. Um, really enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, Superman eight Williamson, uh, Melnikov on the, uh, on the art. So we get a little more insight to the origin of the chained guy that he's like a combo genes of like Superboy and Superman. That's why he has he has like these telekinetic abilities. Um, and this issue, we like Superman defeats the chain guy because he finds out he needs kryptonite to do so. And defeating him, the kryptonite hurts Superman as well. Uh, uh, I mean, obviously. So that's kind of where we leave off. But I think overall, it's a good issue. I thought the character was interesting. This the chained guy. So interested to see where they go with that. Yeah, I didn't get around to reading that yet, but yeah, it was good. Superman's, Superman's a good book. Yep. Uh, Green Lantern War Journal number three. Another one I didn't get around. Bill Kennedy Johnson, Montos in the art. It's a good story. Um, it just it's keeping this like infection story going. Uh, you know, jo- uh, obviously, John gets John Stewart gets infected. Um, he has to take on. He has to fight. Like he, I know he doesn't want to fight anymore, but he has to now. Uh, there's like a nice moment where he like says goodbye to his mother that he has to go and he does talk more about like the um the fact that she has dementia and then he meets with Kyle Rayner in this like space between constructs 
not the real Kyle Rayner, but like a champion, almost like of the green, um, who like convinces him to fight like that he needs to fight. It was a really good issue. Uh, this this is a really cool Green Lantern book. So I'm really enjoying it. I was given a tiny bit of clarity of what's going on with Green Lantern. Yeah. As a whole that apparently yeah. a friend who like is a huge Green Lantern fan and reads all this Green Lantern stuff. He told uh -huh. me that all the Green Lanterns and like all the Green Lanterns of our space sector and even some that aren't like Kilowog mm -hmm. are trapped on Earth by Oa. Okay. And they're all like because of what happened are reacting differently. So like Hal still has a, a ring, mm -hmm. but his ring is like more powerful now because of it. Like he can do more stuff with it and all. Oh, okay. So I guess some event happened that basically forced them all to stay on Earth and is affecting their power somehow. So that's as a clarity of like one of the things we're wondering about. Like, why is Hal or not Hal, why does John like not have a ring at still yeah. powers? Yeah. Apparently, when they destroyed his ring, like something happened and he like internalize the powers oh that's pretty cool but they haven't quite explained it all the way yet so it's not yeah. just us that's confused it's like greenland and people as a whole they don't know okay. how it happened yeah. yeah okay interesting no i'm still really enjoying the series though for sure yeah i, yeah. I just I, I got my books late this week because the holiday so oh I good get to read a whole that's bunch. that's all i read this week though that's i just i just got to the dc stuff so okay um let's see you talked about Oh, so you didn't read JSA number seven? No, I didn't read that yet. I saved that one for last, but then I didn't get to <laughs> Okay. Interesting issue. Uh, Huntress is trying to get her team together. So it's mm -hmm. like them hunting down the different parts of the team. Uh, Dr. Fate and the old Dr. Fate sidekick have a moment. And he tries to send her to this other dimension where she's from. Causes a big fight. And then the ending... I don't know if I want to spoil it or not. Let's just say the ending. Some some people show up. That's very very interesting. Okay. Uh, I think all in all, like the first six issues, the first five issues, really of this book, I really really enjoyed. Yeah. These past two, for me, not so much because I know you were really liking that Star Girl book with the mm -hmm. the sidekicks. Yep. That I didn't read and. I, I just didn't really care for, and now it's really integrated into the book. Mm -hmm. And it feels like we're playing a little cleanup in these last couple issues. But if the reveal at the end is what uh, it says to be, then I will be, I'm super excited for issue eight. So nice. Nice. I can't wait. Um, I read it yeah. Decent issue. Oh, so I started reading Batman 89, the trade. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. The first one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, fell off it. It just, I didn't. Oh, really? Wasn't wasn't for me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I read three issues of it, and I just, I moved on. Mm -hmm. So I know you really like that. The next I issue did. that's coming out next week, actually, yep. or today, yep. is everybody's listening to this. Yep. And uh, hopefully, you still enjoy, you enjoy that. But it, I was a little disappointed by it. I read. <laughs> Yeah, this book. I read Holy Roller number one. Do you remember okay. this? The Andy yeah. Samberg uh, Rick Remender book. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. So this takes, I, I'm thinking it takes place in New York City or like Long Island or something. Uh -huh. but they don't really say specifically. Okay. But it's a city, it's a very Jewish neighborhood. The main character is, um, the main family in this is Jewish. And the dad 
is like really into bowling and he okay. wins and they're at the bowling alley where there's an arcade and he wins some like tournament. Yeah. And then it flashes to the the present and the kid is working for Greenpeace and like abandoned his family and uh doesn't want anything to do with bowling and all mm-hmm. like the book takes a long time to get to the fucking point. That's okay. <laughs> what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I, I, I'm not going to read further from it because what this book is really about, and not that there's anything wrong with it, it's just not the type of book I want right now, mm-hmm. is that he the kid comes back home and it's everything's become very anti-Semitic. Yeah. And like, in a very blunt way too, like they, they use some language in here that I, I will not repeat, but... Right. Uh, and the kid after, comes back home because his dad's got cancer or something and then gets into a kerfuffle with somebody and ends up beating him with a bowling ball. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's like the birth of his superhero thing. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it just... It did a very bland superhero origin story and just... I don't know. I I I, I just don't want to... I don't want to read a book that's so depressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In this way, it just not that it hits too close to home. It just it kind of it pushes some issues that we are having today with anti-Semitism and just maybe shoves it in my face a little too much. Yeah, you wouldn't and, expect that from an Andy Samberg book. Like you think it'd be more fun. <laughs> there's some fun moments, like when they're on the the Greenpeace boat and mm-hmm. uh, the lead guys like talking to him he's like yeah you don't really do much around here but you're like a cool hang and then he goes like do you mind if i like you know have one of these cigarettes and it's a fucking joint and they're sitting there smoking and like that's a that was a fun back and forth like Mm kind of hippy dippy like we're we're both high and having a good time uh moment but for the most part like it it's written like a movie Mm. it's not written like a comic is my first complaint and it does just kind of just shove some things a little bit too far for me personally that hindered my enjoyment of it. I think if he pulled back on some of that mm-hmm. and maybe focused more on the, the hero origin of it all and less on the, like he wanted to make a point about anti-Semitism. Yeah. It might've got me in further. Mm-hmm. And this is an example for people writing in the future if that stuff would have been like an issue three or four, when I'm already hooked, it wouldn't have, it probably would have had more of an impact on me. Right. As opposed to like right at the beginning, like so everybody knows this is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, check it out if you want. I personally just thought it was a little, a little too much. Okay. Uh, Marvel superheroes, secret wars, battle world. Number one, <laughs> This so this takes place during the original Secret Wars, and it pulls Spider Man out for like as he goes to grab a snack, he gets dragged out into this other battle world okay. where he has to fight Frost Giants, and it's nice. him being forced in these alternate fights back and forth, back and forth until, um, and then we realize that other heroes are also being torn out. So like he's torn out, and he's fighting, 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 and then the Human Torch comes, and he has to fight <laughs> with the Human Torch. It's not a very deep book. It's no. not really like a great book. Right. But it's a fun book. And uh, nice. that's really what I'll say about it. If you're not a big Secret Wars fan, not a big Marvel fan, I don't think you're going to like it. But I, I enjoyed my time with it. 
Daredevil Black Armor, number one. Mm-hmm. Another one that I'm going to say, if you're not a big Daredevil fan, <laughs> yeah, you're not, not going to run. Because it takes place during a very particular time in Daredevil's history when Matt Murdock fakes his death, um, takes on this new alias of Jack, and is fighting crime as Daredevil, but in a different, like an armor suit that's black mm-hmm. and red. And um, it's really just setting up for everybody because we're talking about a time period of six issues back in the 90s. Right. And it's really resetting up where everything is and letting you know what the character, like where the character's at. He does interact with Kingpin because it's a Daredevil book, so we got to have Kingpin. Of course. And, uh, but we find out that the big bad, and this is where they got me, Mike, mm-hmm. at the end is Baron Strucker, who we never see anymore. Yeah. That's uh, not somebody here a lot. Yeah. And his big plan is for Hydra to take over Hell's Kitchen. So it's like a, a meshing of two worlds. Here's the last page where he shows up. It's a nice. meshing of two worlds, a character that we never see anymore. So I, I'm sold. Um, once again, if you're not huge into that world, especially Daredevil, mm-hmm. especially that time period, I don't think you're going to get much out of it, but I really enjoy it. Batman Off World number one. Yes. Really like this book. Uh, yeah. It's So it's very Jason Aaron how it's written. Mm-hmm. It There's no... What I loved about it is there's no buildup. It starts off and we're on this other this spaceship in the middle of the, the uh, space. Mm-hmm. And Batman just starts fighting fools. <laughs> nice. And we find out that he went to the spaceship because it's known for training mercenaries around the galaxy who are like the top brass. Mm-hmm. And we also find out that this takes place within like the first year of Batman's existence. Okay. And he has to go and figure out how he's going to defeat the top brass there. But he's out of his element. He hasn't trained to fight these people. He knows nothing about them. He's not prepared. So while he's there and he's imprisoned, he's got to find a way to train and figure his way out. And how he does it's pretty interesting. The art's really good. Um, The story, I mean, I enjoyed the stories it was, but it's done in that Jason Aaron way where it's fairly minimal. But at the same time, like it flows really well. It's not the best Batman book I ever read, but it was a good Batman book and I will continue it. So I'm interested to see where, uh, where it goes moving forward. Nice. I got to read it. It sounds fun. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a good read. And I think it'll be with some of the other Batman books coming out. Like we talked about that, uh, the one last week, the Mm -hmm. Batman, Mm -hmm. And all that, where they're going the more detective route. This is him really trying to hone his fighting skills, mm, as okay. opposed to that. So it's it's a different cool. approach. Nice. And then I had a manga I read, which oh. was Dragon Quest: The Adventures of Die, number one. Nice or volume one, I should say. Uh so I'm a huge Dragon Quest fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people might know as Dragon Warrior from back in the eighties. Yep. Uh this. So anyone that knows Dragon Quest, it's like Final Fantasy, where like each one, they're kind of set in the same universe, but they're like really separate from each other. You don't have to like there's now the twelfth one's coming out soon. Doesn't include like side games. Mm-hmm. You don't have to play them all to understand the story. This is the same. It's like a different world. And it gives off very heavy Dragon Ball vibes. Nice. We have a young kid who has a special power. 
mm-hmm. is learning to fight when a big bad shows up and he helps defeat him. Awesome. If you like Dragon Ball, I think this is, and you haven't, you know, you've watched all the show, you've read all the manga, you know, you're looking for something new. I think it's a good thing to jump in on. The only thing that connects it to Dragon Quest is like uh, the the creature designs. You see the mm-hmm. slimes in this. Yeah. You see, you know, all the other creatures that you'd fight in the game. Right. But you don't really need to know much about them to understand that, like, they're monsters. That's what they are. Like, they're they're cannon fodder along your journey to fight. Um, but I really liked it. I think my only complaint about it is, so it's, you know, black and white manga, like most manga. And then it will randomly, in certain parts, like, be colored. Oh, okay. And then go back to black and white. And then where was it? Yeah, and then the final story, it's colored a different way. Oh, interesting. So it's it's like, I don't know, it's strange why they did it that way, mm-hmm. but it didn't take away from my enjoyment. It just It was kind of, when you hit those chapters, you're like, whoa, what the hell's going on? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> why is it colored all of a sudden? Yeah, but uh, definitely cool. a good book. And apparently there's a video game based on it now that came oh, out nice. last month, so awesome. might be getting into that. Cool, Mike. Man. That was everything I read this week. Where can people find you on the internet? They can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you and or the show? You can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter, most other social media networks. And you can find the show at Fortress Comics underscore on Twitter. Also at FortressComicNews.com. Three great ways to support show. One, uh, podcast services. Give us five-star reviews. Two, go over to the YouTube channel. Like, subscribe, share, comment down below. Also with the podcast services. If you subscribe to it, make sure you never miss an episode. Mm-hmm. And then third is patreon.com slash Fortress Comics. Thank you all so much for watching and or listening this week. See you all here next time. Thanks. Nice.